Okay, everyone, go ahead and remain standing for the authority of uh, God's word. If you don't have your scriptures and can turn to Genesis 1, know it is in your uh, worship guide. And uh, we will read a full context here, even though we're only gonna preach through 24 and 25 today. But here's the full context. And at the end of the reading, you have something in bold that I would love for you to say aloud. So this is the word of the Lord. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds and the heavens uh, in the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living creature that, or every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given, given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with, sea with its fruit, uh, seed with its fruit and you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, uh, earth and every bird of the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth and everything that has breath of life. I've given every green plant for food and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And we all say, for all flesh is like grass. Amen and amen. Go ahead and have a seat. If you are new to Redstone Church, welcome. My name is Spencer. I'm one of the, uh, the teaching pastors here. And we have been going all summer long through a series in Genesis 1. Uh, and so we've been talking through the days of creation, slowly and methodically going through every single day. Today, we're only going to do part A of the sixth day. We also have in the back, we have all of those kiddos and they too are going through through the six days of creation in hopes that we as a full family group were able to travel along each and every summer going through the same material. And so the sixth day, God creates animals, okay? So this is what we have on the part A of the sixth day. Now, uh, both Bruce Colson and Scott Cottrell have something in common. And no, it's not that they're old. Oh. Older. Older. No, they grew up in the Midwest and they know something about animals. In fact, they know something about farming. All right. And so in this, they understand animals to a degree that I do not. Uh, they know how a farm operates. They understand all of the intricacies that goes on. But one of the fa my favorite stories from Scott Cottrell uh, was how he loved his very first cow. His first, name, his first cow was named Tilly. Now, uh, great name, by the way. 
Uh, and so this is how this dairy cow, uh, cow and how this story starts. So each and every morning before the sun would come up, Scott would find himself on the farm with, the, with his waders on and probably an overcoat. And he would leave the house and he would head toward the barn. And that's when the morning ritual began. He would say, oh, Tilly, oh, Tilly. And no kidding from the barn, that cow would moo. So she, they had a relationship, right? That's very endearing. Oh, Tilly, oh, Tilly, right? So as he would get closer, she could tell the excitement. It was kind of like a dog. You know how the dog welcomes you at home and those types of things. Except for this was a cow, you know, 600 pounds worth of, of meat there. And so no kidding, Scott would approach Tilly, right? And hold out his hands and Tilly would come and rest their necks on one another. And they would just give each other a morning hug. Is this not crazy? So now the story goes on. So not only are they responding to each other in words and now affection. Scott, no kidding, would sit on a stool. I guess I wasn't there. I don't know how you milk a cow, but he's milking the cow, no kidding, and singing hymns to this cow. And this was their morning ritual. So to bring great delight and the start of his day, this is, I guess, for years and years to come, you know, this is how he started his day. So there is something in animals, right? It's if, if you go back to your childhood, even right now, you can think about an animal and there's probably some type of fond memory of some type of family. Am I wrong or am I right? Yep. So they just have a way of getting into our narrative and into our stories. And some of the most wonderful stories we tell even of our childhood or something like that has to do with the animals that were close to us. So today I want us to learn or look at day six, at least the first part of it, and understand that God has, uh, he has put day six in, or the creation of animals into three separate categories. And as we look at these three categories, we're gonna see how God has uniquely placed each of these categories into the story of God. Now we've been here uh, all summer long, so it would be foolish of us not to do a little review. All right, so you're gonna have to know your six days of creation, right? So on column number one, we have days one, two, oh, no, no, no. Days one, two, and three. So day one, God creates. Good, day two, God creates. Yeah, he separates the waters from the waters. And the big one is that he creates the expanse. Very good. Yes, waters. And number three, the big one is land and vegetation. Good. Now, Howard, see how you're doing. <gasps> well done. Doing really good. All right. So the reason we do it like this is because we believe that there is a correlation between uh, days one, two, and three, and then also four, five, and six. So day four, right? If you need a cheat sheet, just look on this side to know what happens on day four. God creates sun, moons, and stars. Good. Day five, fish and the birds. And then today in uh, parallelism with land and vegetation, God creates animals. And then next week we will talk about man and woman. Let's see how you did. Boom. Well done. Give yourself a little bit of this. 
fine. Y'all are terrible at this. All right, one more agenda class. All right, so this is today's passage, 24 and 25. Not only have we been talking about things that are in unison and how things are correlating with one another, but we're also talking about things that we've seen in every single passage. So look at our passage today. And God said, let the earth bring forth creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, the beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so God made the beast according to their kinds, livestock according to their kinds, everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw it was good. Now, what are some some phrases of repetition that are in today's passage that we've seen in the other five days of creation? And God said, very good. And God made, yes, right. Let the, right, good. Keep going. Huh? Yes, according to its kind. Well done in the back. Usually the people in the back row, right? They don't participate. Put Gabe back there and boom. All right, keep going. And it was so. Very good. All right, let's see how we did. All right, this is, all right. And God said, y'all got that one? Let the, or let there. And there's just the, the speaking part, right? Gabe. Killing it, bro. All right, so according to their kinds, we see that. It's not in every single day, but this is picked up and we've, we're gonna see it over and over. And then, uh, and it was so is the concluding statement. And then every concluding say it was good. All right. Um, if you keep going into 25 morning and evening would also be that. So that's kind of a review of where we are. So let's go ahead and just talk about animals. All right. So God said, let, their, uh, let the earth bring forth. And there are three separate categories. All right. You say uh, living creatures, according, uh, living creatures. And this, this is how the, they delineate it. They say livestock, creeping things, and then also beast of the earth. So this is the three, these are the three categories in which God has broken up the animal kingdom when it comes to the things that are gonna fill the earth that way. Now, this is the first part of day six, right? This is the first part of what is about to happen. We don't wanna get ahead of ourselves. However, we need to know that the crowning achievement of six day is not the animals, but instead it's man and woman made in God's image and likeness. We're just not gonna get there yet. Gary Ellis will bring it next week. So just know that. So today we're just gonna be talking about the zoo. All right, that's where we are, okay? I know nothing about farms, so we'll just go to the zoo because this is the kind of the scientific uh, uh, name is zoology, right? So that's where we are. God creates the animals, right? If you're a doctor of these types of things, you're called a veterinarian, right? And the old word for this is called husbandry, right? So all of these things happen on the very first day of day six. My question to us is what is it about animals that we love? Right? You go to the zoo or you pay good money to look at these things, to, to, to observe how they move and, and, and their beauty. But what is it about the zoo or the farm or a petting zoo or, or the county fair that just attracts us to these things? It's amazing as I studied um, how often the scriptures themselves reference the categories of the animals and how the scriptures actually break them down is this idea of these three categories themselves of livestock, 
and creeping things and then also the beast of the earth. So I think it'd be good for us to go ahead and just talk scientifically of what we see in each of these uh, categories. First and foremost, you have these guys. This is livestock. So what, what is the difference between livestock and the other forms of uh, animals? First and foremost, in the study, these can be domesticated. All right. This is what we think about when we think about farm animals, animals in the animal kingdom that are able to be tamed. So you think dogs and cats and donkeys, I guess, or horses or cows or those types of things that we need in order to make life happen. So on day three, you see land and, and vegetation. Here we have these things consuming both the land and, and vegetation. We are able to train our dog to sit. We're able to, uh, we want cows to give us both meat and milk. Oxen are able to plow our fields. Horses are able to stand firm in battle. All of these things are able to be trained and domesticated in some sense. So you see, this is the category in which we have. And so there would be no farms, there would be no farmers, there would be no uh, veterinarians, there would be no one who would to practice husbandry. There would be no hard work linked to these types of vocations without day six. That's the reason uh, Chris Gill and Carson Weeks own like mini farms, right? They want to have their hands in the dirt and they're able to work really hard and use these types of animals to do those things. Psalm 50 puts it this way, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills, right? So this is God declaring these or this segment of creation as his. All right, so let's go on to the second category. We have creeping things, right? So scientifically, right, we're trying to figure out what category these guys are in. And this is literally belly to the ground. So all of those animals that are a little bit lower to the ground and their bellies are hovering or parallel to the ground, this is what you get when you get creeping things. All right, so that's the easiest way to understand this category. Um, so likely everything in what they call the amphibian world, snakes, lizards, all of the gross things. Notice they're mentioned second, right? So I don't know why, but they are second. So there's something. So I know they're gross, but you know, obviously we need them in some way. A lot of people put insects in this uh, category because so too, their belly are the closest to the ground. And so there you have there. Uh, interestingly, these are the outcast of the animal kingdom, right? Not just because they're gross, not only because uh, Satan himself, you know, he, he used one of these to, to, to tempt Adam and Eve, right? But Leviticus 11, interesting, I'll read it. It actually says most of the things in this category are unclean. So listen to Leviticus 11. And there are unclean things among you, the swarming things that swarm the earth, the mole, the mouse, the great lizard, the gecko, which is a kind of lizard, the crocodile, the lizard, the reptile, and other things. This is, these are the things that are considered unclean. Interesting, uh, interestingly enough, grasshoppers, locust beetles, for some reason, those are clean and you can eat those. Yet despite Leviticus 11, the New Testament counterpart is different. Remember Acts 10. Do you remember Peter's dream with Cornelius? What do you hear and what do you see in this? 
is what God is doing is lowering the curtain and all of the animals, right? Even the clean and the unclean are right there in front of them. And what God is saying is, hey, it is good for you to partake now of all things. And so there's a great unity here that happens between, you know, these three categories there. Then let's talk about the beasts of the earth. All right, so where the livestock can be tamed, it's easier or the best way to think about this category of animals are these are the ones that are simply wild, right? They are untamed. And as much as we try to tame them, they still remain very uh, undomesticated. So sick, Siegfried and Roy are one of those examples of we tried very hard, right? Or the orcas of SeaWorld, sometimes they just turn their back on us. And so when you think about this third um, uh, category, it's easier just to sing, right? The Wizard of Oz because it's lions and tigers and bears, right? So I was thinking I was gonna get a little bit more of that than, than that. That's okay. That's all right. I'm trying, y'all. We're doing it. We're doing it. Okay, so these are the beasts here. Interesting. All three of these categories, whether it's livestock, you know, these creeping things or now these beasts, God, or God comes to Adam, right? The, very, the second part of day six, and he tells them him to do two things. Do you remember? He said, I want you to name them. Right? Every single one, I want you to name them. And I also want you to have dominion over these things. So man's best friend, there's a reason for that. And so in all of these names, even today, we get all kinds of fun things. So think about the word cheetah. You know what the word cheetah means? It means speckled, right? And so this is where we get the word cheetah. And so as we even understand the naming, there is a correlation or there's some things that make sense in the animal kingdom. So fox means bushy for a bushy tail. Um, a narwhal, this was my, the most interesting one. The narwhal means well corpse. I have no idea what that means, but that's what that is. A well corpse is also a narwhal, right? So if any elf fans out there, you'll know that. Uh, this one's easy. You all learned this one in fifth grade. Hippopotamus means... Okay, four, sixth grade? Uh, hippopotamus means river horse. So I thought y'all would know that one. Okay, all right. So again, I'm just giving you some softballs here. Uh, an armadillo is named after the armor that he's wearing. Yes. So some crowd participation. That's, that's good. All right. But we can go too far with animals. Um, uh, in the latest kind of uh, statistics is in Seattle alone, there are more dogs as pets as there are children, right? So there's a change in society there. Uh, a lot of you or a lot of us or a lot of the, the, the world out there, we all have spirit animals or something like that. We can go too far in just, just understanding the worth and the value However, animals have value because God created them. Instantaneously, God created them. Uh, we've been pushing against just the, the understanding of evolution versus creation and wondering where we fit. Well, in this biblical narrative, we see that God creates in all things. 
Interesting in both, if, if you read the whole text, and I'm glad we did, you see the according to their kind, according to their kind, according to their kind, over and over and over, meaning there's not an evolutionary where there's some kind of process in which dogs become something else. But here, on the first part of day six, we see the ideas that dogs were dogs and they're continuing to be dogs. And dolphins are dolphins. And the DNA that's there on day six continued to be traced here and here. So ants are ants and spiders are spiders. The DNA is there. So life isn't random. God creates. God is, the, the place is varied. Earth is varied because God wants it that way. In a world where we think that there's no purpose or that everything is by chance or that it's random and just an assortment of things had to happen, what we believe because of Genesis 1 is that God is the one and God is the purpose maker behind all things. And so in the same way that we run to John 3:16 to understand the plan of salvation, the same reason we would run to Ephesians 1 to know where we are in our identity in Christ Jesus, we run to Genesis 1 to know that God is the purpose maker behind all things. He created it all. And we have to accept that because by giving God credit, he then gets glory. And by getting the glory, he is then set apart among all things. If it's only by chance or if it's only random, then it's just a, one of these. And that's not good enough. And so devotionally though, what do we need to do? Devotionally, we need to understand this, this, this repetition of the idea that, and God said, it is good. But what is good about animals, right? What are, other than they're our furry friends or they bark in the middle of the night, what is the purpose that God has on this first day of, of or this, the first part of, of day six? Well, in honor of day six, I've thought about giving you six reasons why we, why the scriptures are very clear of why God believes that animals are good. Throughout this entire series, it's easy to look at the product of creation to look at the sun, moon, and stars, to look at the, the, the land and the vegetation and be wowed by what God produces. Well, all summer, we've wanted to come all the way back to the initiation or the actual design or actually the character of God that happened before the actual, actual product of creation. So in these six, we want to be wowed by these, this animal kingdom, but we want to be wowed by God and God alone primarily. And so God saw that it was good because God knew our limitations, right? So God in his sovereignty, God in his purpose, God in understanding that on day six, he's gonna do animals and, and man and, and female. He knew that there was limitations with us. And what do I mean by that? Well, number one, we would be limited in our labor. There's only some, so much that these arms and these triceps are able to do. And so he gave us companions. He gave us animals that would be able to do more work than us. And so he knew our limitations in that we simply would not be able to do the amount of work that we would need to do for simple things like farming and battle. The second thing is he knew that uh, we would become meat eaters. And this is a way in which we would be able, be able to provide for us. 
But I think most significantly, especially in the Old Testament, that bleeds into the New Testament is this idea of the sacrificial system. God knew that we would be limited and we would need some kind of offering. We knew that we would not be able to offer ourselves every time because that would be the end of our existence. And so what God did in his foreknowledge is he created these animals, right? To be that sacrifice for us, right? And so whether it's nutrition, whether it's work or whether it's the sacrificial system, God knew that we would need animals. And so that's the first thing that we see in God's plan or design before we actually get to the animals. This may be one of the reasons why. So number two, that God uh, communicates with his creation. It is good for us to look at God's sovereign control over all things, but especially this idea of communicates. The thing, the, the, the mantra, right? Over and over in all six days, it began with God said. Did you know that this little phrase and the Lord said is the most repeated phrase in, in all of the Old Testament? And the Lord said, and the Lord said, and the Lord said. Well, it is no different, not just in his creation, but that God communicates with all of his creation, including the animals. The most famous of this is, of course, Noah's Ark, in which he communicates with the animals in two by two. Here they come, they obey, they say, yes, sir, and they would just walk onto the boat and he's able to shut the door. And so in this way, he's able to express, right, just the breadth of his, his power and control over all things is that he's able to speak and animals respond. If you were reading CBR this week, you know that we're in numbers and this idea that Balaam and his donkey, the donkey actually speaks on behalf of the Lord. And so God communicates with his, uh, with his creation and that should do something for us or in us, right? All right, number three. So what exactly is going on with animals and the animal kingdom? Why can we worship God, not just for his creation, but his character that precedes the creation is that God carefully oversees his creation. He is a great manager. He's able to, to oversee and to look at all of these things. Psalm 104 is one of our best texts for this overseeing that one, uh, Psalm 104, 14 says that God actually causes the grass to grow that the cattle will consume, right? And in this overseer role, in this great shepherding role, in his great creation, he needed land and he needed vegetation because he knew that cows would, and the cattle needed some, a place to graze. Is that not amazing? So God's design is perfect and good and we have to give him the credit because when we don't, we're just, it's all up to chance. So this idea that he's able to do that, they're able to get their food. All right, number four, we need six of them. So number four, simply God receives joy, right? When we look at some passages in the scripture, it's wonderful to hear him express joy over his creation. The idea that he is able to be glad at his works when he speaks them into creation, great joy overflows in his heart. Psalm 104 continues to say that the, when he looks at the wild boar or the rock badger, there's joy in his heart. When's the last time you thought about a rock badger or a boar, right? Probably never. And yet in this kind of like this tiny little animal in a small segment of the world, he looks at his creation and he says, that's amazing. 
And so by two, by two, even on the ark, he says, hey, you are gonna have to survive. You are gonna have to survive. And he's able to cram them all in there in order because these animals have great joy in his heart. All right, number five is that he is actually given praise from the animals. Like part of his, you know, the the glory, the part of the praise that he gets is actually from, right? From the animals themselves. Psalm 148 says, let everything with breath praise the Lord. And we've seen that this idea of life, right? Birds and fish and now animals have this breath. And so this idea of life has been associated with them that God is giving, getting the praise from all of these animals. All of them with every kind of every kind of call and natural habitat, they're able to express themselves. And for that, you know, God says, I'm getting the praise for that. And then lastly, but not, this may be a little bit of a stretch, right? But uh, God gives us the idea of play. This was interesting research um, in Job 39 and 40. This is, this is ideas that when God is looking at the creation and he's able to look at the an, uh, um, animals and as they like as they move and how they relate to one another, this too brings God's joy. And so we're able to just even understand potentially this idea of play. The reason I say all this is that we can look at the animals and we can just say, okay, I think we need to go to the zoo. You know, we need our kids to like see more animals and their worldview to be, right? But if we don't go through the character of God, then our affection will stop at the zoo. Our, our affection will stop at the created item and not back up to all of our sentences beginning with God. So to end today, we also want to think about the animals and just our, the idea of a narrative out there that we call redemption. There's a redemptive storyline in which includes animals and which we know that where would we be without the animals? I've already mentioned it once, but just this idea of the role of sacrifice throughout the Old Testament. For years and years, hundreds of years, God's people have been going to the Temple Mount with these animals in order to sacrifice them and be a replacement on behalf of their sin or be a replacement for the things that they have committed. Ironically enough, whether it be bulls and goats, these are the animals that are the closest to humanity. This is in the livestock realm of things. And so the animals, you don't really keep a gecko around your house potentially, right? But, but everybody had goats or bulls or whatever. And so just the, even the emotional connection to these farm animals would have to be right? Your sacrifice for that. The animal kingdom and this idea that we needed something to stand in our place would actually be a holding pattern before, of course, Jesus is the one who offered his life for us. And so where would we, uh, uh, Hebrews would say, without the the blood of bulls and goats would be nothing compared to what Jesus has done for us. But the redemptive story still includes animals sacrificed day by day, week by week, year by year, for hundreds of years, satisfying the Lord for a momentary time and energy. And yet Jesus, for once and for all, he being the true sacrifice. But where would we see or understand that one and true sacrifice without all of these momentary 
sacrifices. The animal kingdom matters and it should point to more than just a cuddly animal, but the idea that the storyline, right? The entire narrative of redemption really hinges on God using animal in this way. But lastly, the idea that the end of our story also includes animals. Do you know that in the new heavens and the new earth, it tells us that there will be animals there because Isaiah 11 says that children will be able to play over what? A den of cobras, right? Or that lions will be able to play with lambs. And so in the new creation, right? In these ways in which children are able to play with snakes that were once venomous and now just, just a toy or the fact that uh, the, the beast of the field, a lion, would normally devour the lamb. Now we see these two categories blending together in perfect harmony. The new heavens and the new earth are there and it's good for us. In the new heavens and the new earth, we'll see, like do dogs go to heaven, right? Well, I don't believe that Athens, my dog, is going to be in heaven. However, I believe that there will be a boxer in heaven that will remind me of Athens or something like that. Dogs don't have souls and neither do beasts, right? But there is this idea that animals have played such a crucial role that in the end, the two will play together in harmony. And so before today, and before understanding day six and just animals, it would have been easy for you and I only to step in and understand scientifically where they, where they matter. But I hope to dive deep into your heart to say, do you understand Jesus better? Do you understand his sacrificial system better? And do you understand even the, the new heavens and the new earth better? The fact that all things will come together, even the things that don't make sense here and now. And so brothers and sisters, the story of God is one that includes animals. <laughs> I know it's crazy, but it's the one that includes animals and that should make our heart full of delight this morning. So let us pray. So King Jesus, help us now to think about these six things and to understand exactly what you are doing around us and in us. Thank you so much for the animal kingdom. Thank you for livestock. Thank you for creeping things. Thank you for the beasts of the field. And I pray now that when we go to the zoo, we'll say, wow, look at your design. And wow, look at what you've done. But we'll also be able to dive deeper in the significance of what this, these animals have to do with your kingdom and what you say even about yourself. And so Lord, as we discuss among ourselves for a few minutes, I pray that even now that, that the Holy Spirit would just continue to move in our service to show us and to enlighten even our hearts exactly what you have in store for us thinking about day six. And it's in your name we pray, amen.